The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Believe. This is a special edition in a sense, and I want to make this a tribute to mothers and a tribute to motherhood. We just celebrated Mother's Day, as you know, not a religious holy day, but a secular holiday that truly is conform- in conformity with the Church's idea and ideal of motherhood and honoring motherhood. Above all, the motherhood of the Blessed Mother of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Uh, with regard to motherhood in general, we, we see the mind of the Church expressed in the very name of the sacrament. Uh, when God first created uh, marriage, he joined Adam and Eve together for the purpose of giving life. That was the primary purpose for which he joined them, the first stated purpose he had in uh, creating and joining male and female was to give life. That was actually the first command he gave to any human beings. And then in sacred scripture, the book of Genesis, we read after that, that God wanted them to take care of each other also, to uh, 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 provide for each other, to care and to... uh, uh, support each other in life, okay? Those are actually the two primary reasons, the two essential, I should say, two essential reasons uh, why God created male and female, joined them together in marriage. But marriage is a natural institution. It was raised by God to a supernatural level and given a supernatural significance, a supernatural purpose. Our Lord himself actually transformed marriage, or I should say built upon marriage, and adding to it the supernatural uh, significance of representing the love between God and his saints, God and his church, ultimately God and his church triumphant in heaven, that unbreakable, that everlasting love, that wholehearted love of the uh, church, of the souls in God's grace, united with him in the beatific vision, Uh, This love now, which marriage is to signify, makes it a supernatural uh, sacrament, okay? It it is a sign of something sacred. It is a sign of the grace of God. And uh, so we don't refer to the sacrament as a sacrament of marriage. We have a special word for this, supernatural union, that takes place between a validly baptized man and a validly baptized woman, when they are united by God, they are united in holy matrimony. And that sacrament is named after motherhood. The sacrament itself, actually, is named after motherhood. Uh, The sacrament of matrimony comes from the Latin words for the office, the role, the dignity of the mother. And so when two of those who are baptized marry, when we have, for example, two of our traditional Catholic souls standing before the altar, pronouncing their marriage vows, uh, they are entering a sacrament established by Christ, 
himself and honored by the church with the title of uh, the role of motherhood. And this is to bring to mind always the primary essential purpose of giving life, which cannot ever be lost when it comes to matrimony and even the natural institution of marriage as God himself created it. Now, as even the natural institution of marriage is life-giving, the sacrament of matrimony is, as a sacrament, supernatural in its power of giving life. This, the, the natural institute of marriage can give natural life, only that. But the sacrament of matrimony has a power of giving everlasting life, the life of grace, sanctifying grace of God which is the beginning of the supernatural, the beginning of eternal life in the soul. As Father Gary Lagrange would say, the seed of everlasting life within the soul. And so the, the sacrament of matrimony requires to be worthily received that one be in the state of grace because it is a sacrament of the living. And it is meant by God to be the source of graces that last throughout one's entire life that God will give the graces for the state of matrimony. He promises those graces for as long as one lives to grow in sanctity and ultimately to uh, leave this life, because after all the vows do say, until death do us part. And at that moment, the soul would have made ascended such heights in the, in the spiritual life that it could go directly from life in this world to eternal life in the next. That is really the goal, the object of the sacrament of matrimony, that the married couple would not only give life to others and sanctify that life by their influence, by their prayers, by their example, their sacrifices, but they would be able to sanctify each other again by their prayers, their sacrifices, their influence, for each other, that is their goal in being married to each other. Now, it is wonderful that this sacrament is actually named after the role of the mother, the one who, in a sense, symbolizes the church. Um, the We think about mothers, we think about their roles, we think about what they do for us, uh, their love, the role of a mother's love, is to care for those who are dependent. It's not the same as a father's love. A father's love is different from a mother's love because a father's love, in a sense, completes the mother's love. As the child grows and grows into adulthood, the child must grow to independence, ultimately. This is the goal. The mother's love, though, is, is designed by God to care for a life that depends on her, and at the beginning depends on her absolutely, uh, when the child can do nothing for itself. Um, when the child can feed itself, uh, clothe itself, or do anything of the kind, can't even roll over, or express what it needs, can't even think of what it needs. The mother knows. 
<clears throat> because her love is designed in such a way that she can decipher, by, she has an intuitive understanding of what her child is, 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 even before the child can think, what the child is feeling. Uh, this is a great, a great uh, gift from God to have a, a human being, a mother, whose love is stronger than any love, whose love is stronger than life itself, when this, this life is so absolutely dependent upon her for everything, to devote her entire life to this absolutely dependent life, of one who cannot yet love her or even recognize her. <clears throat> All of this with the hope and the prayer that the child will grow, will develop, will learn, will learn who she is, will learn to appreciate who she is, and learn to love who she is. Uh, it's an investment of her time and effort. <clears throat> but even though if the child should not survive long enough to ever know her or love her, she still would never turn her back on that life. She will still give everything she has to give to that life. It's tremendous love. It is truly a reflection of the divine love of God himself. Uh, a mother's love finds its origins in God's love. And in sacred scripture, God himself speaks. Always as father, but he also makes it very clear that uh, he has the, also within himself the love of mother. That a mother's love has its ultimate expression in the love of God, just as the father's love does. Perhaps we can look at a, a bit of an analogy here. We, we have in Latin the word patria. And patria comes from the Latin word pater, which means father. But patria is, is, is feminine. The gender is feminine in Latin. So here you have a, a Latin noun <coughs> which means something masculine in itself, in its root, but its form is feminine. It combines the two, not in a bad way, like we've perverted things today. Patria means fatherland, and because it is in the feminine, it can also, in a sense, mean motherland. Now, we can talk about our fatherland, <coughs> and we can talk about our motherland. And we use both terms <coughs> lovingly, whether we're talking about fatherland or motherland, but they don't have the same significance to us. Fatherland has a certain sense uh, unto itself that it's distinct from that of motherland. When we think of motherland, we think of that nurturing. When we think of fatherland, we think of that protectiveness, and that watchfulness, that, that guardianship, that authority, that is for our own good. In, in this idea of fatherland and motherland, we bring together the two basic concepts that every one of us needs to have to even know who God is as father. We bring together the idea of that nurturing love. We bring together that idea of that, uh, that maturing and uh, also nurturing authority. So both the concepts are absolutely necessary to form in the mind of every human being from childhood, from infancy, from <coughs> even the first days of life uh, onward, for us to have a, a, a true idea of the love of God for us. 
Uh, as creatures, we are subject to his authority, but as uh, sanctified by grace, we also are his children. Not merely his creatures, we, he claims us as his children by adoption, by the adoption of grace through Christ. Uh, for us to love him properly, to understand him properly, uh, as properly as a human being can, we have to have firmly in our minds an understanding of the concepts of love and authority, his fatherhood, but also that all-encompassing love of his, which has all the, all the beautiful characteristics, all the power of the father's love and the mother's love that find their origins within the Godhead. So, I close with this, with this idea, and I've expressed this before, so you're no strangers to this thought. A mother's love for her child is unique. It's a unique kind of love. Our Blessed Mother Mary loves God as her creator. She loves him as her savior, but she loves him in a way that no other human being can. Our Blessed Mother loves God, her God, our God, in a way that no one else can love him. Now, you and I love God in a way that even the angels can't love him because the angels can't love him as their Savior. The angels cannot love Almighty God as their Redeemer. So, we think of the powerful St. Michael the Archangel, St. Raphael, St. Gabriel, and all of the thrones and dominations and powers and, and seraphim and cherubim, you and I can love God in a way that they cannot love Him. And by right, we must. We must love Him as our Savior, as well as our Creator. But the Blessed Mother loves Him in a way that no other, no angel can love Him and no other human being can love Him. And that is, she loves Him as her child. She can love God as a mother loves her child. That's no other way that I can think of to express it. And that is a marvelous thing. That's a wonderful thing. That, that makes her altogether unique. Among all the angels, all the saints, that she has a relationship to him that no one else can have. No one else can even imagine having, as it were. The relationship that she actually has to him and the love she has, only mothers can begin to understand that love that the Blessed Mother has for God in her love for a child. And uh, we have the <clears throat> relationship expressed in the Sacred Heart and in the Immaculate Heart. And we, we need to keep in mind, and this is, as I say, what I've mentioned before, <clears throat> that in every mother uh, who brings a child into the world and, and becomes a mother by, by doing so, um, she has a bond with a child that the father, the most loving father, cannot have. And that is, before that child's heart was formed, 
And before that child even uh, and began to beat, but before that child had a heart of his own, uh, that child shared his mother's heart. So her heart was not only her heart, it was that child's heart too. For the first perhaps two months of the child's existence, the child is sharing the heart of his mother, and her heart is the heart of both of them simultaneously. And this, again, is an altogether unique relationship that she has with her child, that her heart is his, her heart is her son's heart, her daughter's heart, before the child has a functioning heart of his or her own. Um, and the sharing of that heart um, really is meant to form an indelible bond between the child and the mother. A special kind of love, not only of the mother for the child, but the child for the mother, too. And um, when we apply this idea to our Blessed Mother, we realize who she was sharing her heart with, so to speak, that before our Lord, the Son of God, had a heart of his own, he actually was sharing Mary's heart. So her heart was his heart. Literally, her heart was his heart for the first two months of his existence here on earth. And eventually, of course, there formed a heart which we now know as the Sacred Heart of Jesus. But uh, before that Sacred Heart began to form within what was to become the Sacred Breast of our Lord, with the way pierced on the, on the cross by the lance, our Lord shared Mary's heart, and her heart literally was his, was his heart for that time. So we, we can't overestimate the closeness and the union between the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. But they beat in unison, and... Um, when the Church began the devotion formally to the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart, it was always it was always in the Church, going back to and beyond the time of St. Augustine of Hippo, St. Augustine, the great doctor and father of the Church, uh, had a devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, uh, opened on the cross for us. Uh, but when the, the, I would say, the present form of that devotion began to spread throughout the entire world, mostly through the influence, the power, the authority of Pope Clement XIII, uh, St. John Eudes, and so on, um, calling for the public worship of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the, the talk was of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and Mary. Uh, they they actually, in Latin, would sometimes have the sacred heart singular of Jesus and Mary. Interesting, I think. The devotion was expressed like that very early on. Uh, and why? Well, obviously to show the unity of those two hearts. So uh, with that, I, I want this to be a tribute to our mothers, I just came back from a wedding in Montana, 
And I must say that I was very, very impressed with our Montana moms. Our Montana mothers were very edifying. And I saw the cheerfulness of the children, the innocence of their children. And I, I know that it is a function of their mother's love for them. It is the result of and a manifestation of the children knowing how greatly they are loved. And I, of course, understand they have the Father's love too. And uh, when Father's Day comes around, I hope to make it a tribute to fathers as well. But um, that alone is not enough to produce the happy, innocent children that I saw in Montana during my recent trip there. A mother's love also is required for that. And so I, I applaud them for their uh, embracing of their vocation, a life of sacrifice, that's what a vocation is, it's a life of service, that's what a vocation is. And I applaud them for embracing their vocation of motherhood. It also helped me to, to appreciate uh, the, uh, this, the dedication of the mothers here in uh, Immaculate Conception Church as well. Um, when we are on site day and night, we can often take things for granted. But when we go to Montana and we see this, we realize that this is what the, the mothers here are, are doing too. They're, they're, they're doing the same thing. They're giving themselves continually for the sanctification of their children. Um, and it, it, is, it applies to the mothers here as well in Cincinnati and so many of other, other missions throughout, the, throughout the, the United States of America that mothers are embracing their vocation and giving such a wonderful example um, not only in the churches, but to the whole society around them, of their love and their dedication to our Lord and to the children whom God has given them. And so I thank all of you for that, encourage you to do so, assure you of my prayers, encourage you to continue doing so, and assure you of my prayers uh, that God provides the grace for you to not only uh, continue, but to grow and grow and grow in this wonderful vocation based upon the sacrament of matrimony and celebrating <clears throat> here your motherhood by your sacrifices and celebrating your motherhood in heaven in the blessed vision of Almighty God. May God bless you.